Thank you. Who doesn't love a good apple turnover? <laughs> no? Oh, man, I love apple turnovers. And you put a little cheese, a little bit of cheese, and you put it in the microwave. Hmm. Okay, all right. Well, we're here to study the Word. We're in Genesis chapter 21, so let's open our Bibles uh, there this evening. Uh, we're we're kind of coming to uh, an end. We've only got a couple more chapters in this particular study about uh, adventures in the life of Abraham, and then we'll move into the rest of Genesis. We'll just keep studying, but we've learned a lot in this man's life, and he's coming to really to the the, the culmination of his life. This chapter is, is just the previous chapter. Chapter 22 is the chapter in this section of the Bible. And he's going to get there. We'll get there next week. But uh, at this point in time, we meet Abraham. And he's kind of at a low point uh, in his life because he had just run away from where he was living in the mountains there above uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he saw the fire, and he saw the brimstone, and he saw, and he, he feared the worst, and so he ran. It scared him, and so he ran with his family to Gerar, and in that place of Gerar, he did the same thing that he did back in chapter 12. He lied. He and Sarah have this, this issue in their life where they're lying, and we're learning as we go through his life and as we look at his life, and, and, and one of the most important things that I hope that you're getting from this is, is that we're like him in a lot of ways, and that God takes us through a series of things to purge, to cleanse, to teach, to train, so that we would be men and women of faith. It's, it's Abraham here that we're looking at, and and uh, he's been rebuked by God in many different ways. He was rebuked by the pagan king uh, Abimelech, as you remember. And now he's, uh, he's just in a place where he's learning and he's growing. He's almost to a place where God's going to really challenge him big time. Where God's going to say, I want everything from you. I want complete and total surrender. That's where we're going in chapter 22 next week. But again, here in this area, there's, there's a, one more idol that God's going to strip away from his life. And really, that's how you, you have to kind of see that in his life, that God is taking away these things that inhibit his complete and utter obedience and walk of faith. I mean, how many of us in this room would say that our faith is, is so strong that, that nothing that happens in our life even shakes us at all? You know, you might say, oh, Pastor Lee, I, I'm solid with the Lord. I mean, I'm like a rock. And then you get sick and it's like, oh, Lord, why me? It's this man, Abraham, that we're seeing God is stripping away all of these things in his life so that he will be the character God wants him to be. God has a goal in his life, just like God has a goal in your life. Again, as you look at his life, we're not just here to learn history about Abraham. We're here to learn about what he learned and compare it to our lives so that we can grow as believers as well. So this, this chapter really is all about God stripping away this last bit of idol worship in his life. We're learning again that, that God is shaping him for the future. So with your Bible open, let's take a moment and ask God's blessing. Father, we open your word. We do it reverently. And just as we sang in that song, Lord, we, 
we just come to you and we surrender. Lord, we, we just open our arms and we surrender to you. We stand and we surrender. I pray that would really be our posture, not, not only in a worship song, but in our daily life. That we would just surrender and we would surrender our lives to you. Lord, that you would have your will and your way in our lives. As, as we think of those things, Lord, we're, we even now have to ask your forgiveness. I ask forgiveness for things that I've done and said and, and my plans that I've laid without waiting on you. And I pray, Lord, that I would learn much from this man. As I, as I share the word, as I preach, Lord, I'm preaching to myself, and your word is so, so wonderful. So, Lord, teach us as we look at Abraham's life. Help us, Lord, to learn, again, all of these wonderful things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, God is training Abraham for a lifetime of service. That's really what we're learning here. And the application, again, God has a goal. God has a goal for you, just like he had a goal for Abraham. He has a goal for you. He wants you to trust him and him alone. Not him and your bank account, or not him and your family, or not him and your house, not him and your, your, your savings, whatever that might be. He wants to be number one, and, he, and he'll do, this is really interesting, he'll do whatever it takes to take that idol out of your life so that you will ultimately give him glory, and you'll worship him alone, because God won't share his worship with anyone and anything that we have. So that's really what, what we're learning here uh, in this text. That's really the application that God is taking away all these things that Abraham is depending on so that he will trust God alone. And then this big story here that we're looking at, again, he's the big story that he's going to learn to walk by faith. And God is teaching him that, that there's this issue in his life. It's, it's a son. And God had promised him a son. But Abraham didn't wait on God. Sarah wasn't willing to wait on the Lord. They were getting older, and so they made a plan. They came up with their own plan. They're going to help God out. Remember that? It's never a good idea to help God out in that regard. Like, God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take charge here. You're not, you're not on call, and, and I need this now. And so you step out in, in your own area, um, and you go down fast is, is what we find. And, and again, in this story, Abraham has realized that, that his work to produce offspring, that was all done in the flesh, Ishmael, is going to be completely rejected as we go through this text tonight. It's Ishmael that is completely and utterly cut off and rejected. This is a real important point for you and I to, to understand. Ishmael represents the flesh, and Isaac is God's promise. He is the only acceptable. Only things done in, by faith are things that are acceptable to God. Things done in the flesh are not acceptable to God. So that's really the background of this whole thing. And we're going to see the birth of Isaac, this long-awaited promised son. That's what we get tonight. I begin this evening, my first point, the fulfillment of God's promise, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah and uh, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he has spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age, 
at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, laughter. Then Abram circumcised his son, laughter, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now, we've already learned that his name means laughter. That's why I threw that in as we read through the text there. You'll remember that, that when God first told Abraham that he was going to have a son, Abraham laughed. And, and he laughed out of joy. It was a, it was a kind of, it's saka, and it, it means a laughter of joy. And he had this laughter of joy back in chapter 17, verse 19. And then in chapter 18, God, remember, came to meet with uh, uh, Abram. He was at the tent, and he says, You're, where's, where's Sarah? Oh, she's right behind me in the tent, you know, like she can't hear. Well, she's going to have a, a son. Now, she remember, she laughed. Her laughter was disbelief, like, ha, that's, that's never going to happen. That's gonna, not going to happen in my lifetime. I'm way too old. I can... She laughed. It was a different kind of laughter. But now, now, in this text, she's laughing. And this laughter here is the laughter of joy. This is like, oh, it finally came to pass. This is awesome. She's filled with joy. That's what's expressed here. She once had unbelief. Her laughter was like, God will never make it happen. But now God's done it. And it's, it's wonderful. It's And Sarah there, verse 6, said, God has made me laugh. And all the people, all my friends, my family, they're going to laugh with me. We're going to enjoy this. This is, a, this is a great moment of joy, this long-awaited birth of her first child. This is her first. She's seen other people her whole lifetime have kids and see the joy of childbirth, but she's never experienced it. So God has made me laugh, she says, verse 7. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? I mean, she's giddy at this point. Like, uh, who would even think that I at my age could have children and, and nurse them? For I have borne him a son in his old age. I've made my husband proud. I, I've given my husband a son. This was a long-awaited promise of God, but she's, it's fulfilled. She's happy in these verses here. Now, there's three things in these first seven verses I want to uh, look at just briefly here. Three things that Abraham and Sarah have learned about God. They're learning about God. Number one, God always keeps his promise. This is a real important thing for you to, to hear and to learn as well. God always keeps his promise. Look at verse one. I love the way it's stated here. Moses, remember, was the writer. Holy Spirit uh, was the one that came upon Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And so here it is. This is what Moses writes. He says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had what? Said. God had promised. She heard in front of the tent, but, but years before, God had promised her husband. So she knew this. And just as God had said, he visited her. And then it says, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Christians, do you know that you can trust in God's word, the things he says? That you can trust and have absolute confidence in what God says he will bring to pass. That's the truth of this story here. Just like God keeps his promise, he'll always keep his promise that he makes in his word. For you and I, the application would be, we, we have the Bible, we have the New Testament, 
And we read the New Testament, and there's many, many promises of God in the New Testament. The promise of eternal life, John 3, 16. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? That's the promise. There's promises throughout the scriptures. Christian, this is why it's so important for you to read it daily. Because as you're mining, as you're reading, you're going to come across the promises of God. And you might be in a mood. Sometimes we get in moods. You know, everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms, you know, kind of thing. And then you read God's word, and, and a promise emerges. Like the promise to forgive sins, 1 John 1, 9. If you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is a promise, right? Throughout the Bible, promises, protection, help in times of trouble, to give you peace. The apostle Paul wrote this promise. Look at this one behind me. For all the promises of God in him are, I love this, are what? Yes, and in him, amen. The promises that we have in the Bible are in Christ. We know that God is going to be true because he said he was going to take care of the sin problem, and he did. He sent his own son. The promises of God, you can stand on them. They're, they're substantial. Believer, rather than being tossed to and fro by difficulties and problems and, and your own vision and your own things that you see in the flesh, trust the Lord. God has a, has a much better way, and if we'll just trust in his promise, God always keeps his promise. The, the life of the Christian is really a life of discovery and growth. Daily reading the word and discovering, oh, this promise. I love it when you come to me and say, Pastor Lee, you see this promise? This is really cool. Or you go to your friend or you text them or Facebook, this promise, so everybody can see what you've learned. Uh, it, it, discovery and, and enjoying the promises of God, the hidden treasures in his word, a beautiful thing. Number two, number two, God's timing is not ours. Verse two, look at verse two real quick. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, notice, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God had a timetable. How many in here have ever prayed for something for more than a year? You pray for something more than a year, and you just keep praying and praying and praying, and it doesn't come to pass in your timetable, but God has a timetable. And God's timetable is not yours. And he's going to bring it to fruition. He is going to bring it to light. He's going to do it at his appointed time. That's the point here. God has a timetable. We sometimes get frustrated as believers because God doesn't answer the request right away. I mean, am I the only one in the room that feels that way? I mean, I, I have to just be honest with you. And it takes a long time of growth and trusting in the word of God and coming back to it over and over again until you finally figure out God's going to do it in his time, not in our time, not in your time. That's what he's teaching Abraham and Sarah. God is always on time. God is never late. And Abraham and Sarah have waited 25 years. The question is, why does God make us wait so long? And the, and the answer, we're going to actually see it here, brings us kind of to the third thing that they're learning in this little section that I'm highlighting. Number three is answers come when we give up. Think about that. God's answers come when we give up. Look at verse 5 real quick. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. And then look at verse 7. And Sarah said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Answers come when we give up. 
Abraham and Isaac had to get to the place where it was like physically impossible for them to have a child. And when that idol, I can do it, I can do it on my own, I can make my own thing, I can, I can run my own life, I can do my own thing, God, I, I love you and, and you're all good, but I, I've got things under my own control right now. When you finally get to the place where I, I can't do it anymore, I am done, boom, that's when God answers that prayer. Kind of the way they were, Abraham's 100 years old, Sarah's 90-some and now she's going to have a baby and, and nurse a baby at 90. She can't believe it. I mean, that's what she's saying here. But answers come when we give up. God provided his promised son to this couple, Abraham and Sarah, when they reached the end of their own ability, natural ability, their own physical ability. They were at the end. They didn't think that it would ever happen for them. This was for them a miracle. Do you know that I know and serve, that you know and serve a miracle-working God? And he's able to do things that you're unable to even think. But he wants you to come to him by faith. And he wants you to come and put your trust in him so that he can show you. So through you, he can do these works and increase your faith. That's what he's doing with this man, Abraham, here. These guys were beyond having a baby and then... It's just, it's insane when you really think about this story. Now, here's an important note. When you come to the end of yourself, when, when I say you've given up so that the Lord can do that work in your life, that doesn't mean that you just passively sit back and just kind of say, whatever God's going to do, and I'm just going to go to sleep, or I'm just going to not go to church anymore. I'm just going to lay everything. That's not what we understand as a Christian, we're to be active in obedience. We're to be active pursuing the Lord, trusting his promises, reading his word, actively engaged in a life of faith, not just passively sitting back and not doing anything. The life of faith for the believer is you just don't sit and wait for God to do it. You ask God, you trust God, you stand on his promises, you stand in, in victory, you, you wait on the Lord until it's his time, and you trust him for that. That's what it means to, to walk by faith or a life of faith. I love what Paul says here. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 3. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything of being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is where? Where is it? It's in God. Our sufficiency, it's not in ourselves. Really important for us as believers to understand that. The key to being a Christian and walking this walk of faith is trusting the Lord, obeying his word, waiting for him to fulfill his promises in his time, not in your time. And so Abraham's life, if it's taught us anything here, it's taught us to wait on the Lord, that God is going to do his work, that when you Assert yourself, when you put yourself in this situation like Abraham and Sarah did to have a child, a disaster comes. It's a disaster. We're going to see the, the outcome of that disastrous work. So those three things, God will always keep his promises. God's timing is not ours, and answers come when we give up. So verse 8, we've looked at the fulfillment of God's promises in those first seven verses. Now the conflict. Because of Abram's past sin. There's conflict now, obviously, in their home. So the child, verse 8, grew and was weaned. This is a little laughter. And Abraham 
made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Weaning for these people is a big deal. And these people, from what I'm told, again, I didn't live then, but there's records and there's... These people would would actually um, keep that child uh, on the breast for three, maybe even five years. Um, you know, even now, it's a healthy, it's, it's much healthier for a baby. And so these children would have been, and then when they were weaned, that was a big celebration. They throw a big party. That was a, a big deal for them. So we're not sure what age he was, but you may, in your mind, think three, maybe five years old. And that's important for the rest of the story, by the way. In verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar. Who's the son of Hagar? Real quick, who's that? Ishmael. Sarah saw the son of Hagar. It's interesting, she doesn't say the son of my husband. This is Ishmael. This is the son of Hagar. She saw the son of Hagar, the the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Sarah saw Ishmael scoffing. Who was Ishmael scoffing? This little three or five-year-old weaned laughter, this little boy. So Ishmael's making fun of his little brother. He's scoffing. Therefore, verse 10, she said to Abraham, this made her mad. Any mom would get mad if their son's being bullied, right? And so she's upset, and she says, cast out the bondwoman with her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. You could trace this whole issue, this family problem, right back to Abraham's decision, Sarah's decision. You could trace it right back to both of them. They have conflict in their home because of their past sin here. Now, again, the weaning period is, is important because it could have, some writings suggest even a longer period of time. Uh, I'm just going to suggest to you for our story, maybe five years old. And Sarah obviously couldn't do that all that time. She had help. You know, she had people there, uh, women that could help her in that regard. But when he was weaned, it could, could have been around five years old. And at five years old, Ishmael would have been 16, seven, maybe 18 years old. So you have an 18-year-old Ishmael. You have a five-year-old Isaac. And the, the 18-year-old Ishmael is scoffing. The word means to laugh or to mock or to make sport of Ishmael. So he takes his little brother outside and... and uh, Sarah's watching her son, you know, like any good mom. She's watching her son maybe through the tent doors, and, and Ishmael starts picking on him. Ishmael starts mocking him. You know, maybe he's walking, and he puts his foot out and trips him. Whoa! You know, he's, he's mocking this little boy. Remember when I was, I was doing this study today, and I thought about I was nine years old, living right here in San Bernardino, and a friend of mine invited me over to go swimming. And so I went over to his house to go swimming, and this guy was like three years older than me. I was like this um, buoy to him, and he was trying to keep me underwater. And I just remember, I was, I was trying to survive that day, man. I was going under, and he was laughing, and he was, having, he was mocking and laughing. I mean, at the time, I thought I was going to die. But, but this is what's going on here. Ishmael is mocking his, his half-brother. He's mocking him. He's, he's laughing. He's scoffing at him, making sport of him. Paul tells us why. 
in the New Testament, we have some of the reason why this is going on. Let me just show you. It's a long text. I'm only going to show you this one section in, in Galatians, Galatians 4. For it is written that Abraham, this is in the New Testament, by the way, in the book of Galatians. Paul says, for it's written that Abraham had two sons. The one was by the bondwoman, that would be Ishmael, that would be Hagar. The other was the free woman, that's Sarah, that's Isaac. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Here's the, the, the point. Born according to the flesh, they were helping God out, remember? They, they were working beyond God, trying to make a miracle that really failed miserably. And then Paul says, and he of the free woman through promise. So you have, you have the difference between these two boys. You have Isaac and Ishmael. One represents a life of faith. One represents the promise, that's Isaac. And then you have Ishmael, that was all done in the flesh. He represents the flesh and, and things done in the flesh. We have the same kind of issues today in every decision we make. We can either follow the flesh or we can follow by faith. It's, it's really the same thing for us. Here's, that's the application uh, of this text for you this evening, the, the the endless application for the believer is, is that we're to walk by faith and not by what? Sight. That's what the scripture says. We're not supposed to, to look at everything and measure it and work it out and, and manipulate. We're good at manipulation. How many here are good manipulators? Raise your hand like me. I'm good at that. I want to manipulate. I want things to go my way. But that's doing everything by the flesh. As a Christian, we need to learn to walk by faith. What is God's program? What does God want to accomplish? If I assert my will, I'm doing what Sarah and Abraham did. There's a bond woman. There's going to be sin and consequence. Or I can wait on the Lord. And there's the free, the free woman, the promise of God is manifest. That's, that's the difference that we see here. Paul said this in Galatians 3, another great scripture. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the what? We know as Christians that we're supposed to walk by faith, that we're not supposed to become a Christian, you know, we're reading the word and then, and then revert back to doing it our way, revert back to the flesh, trying to figure it out, manipulate it, and work the situation. We're supposed to continue walking by faith. We're to walk by faith, trust the Lord, trust God for the unknown, walk with him. He knows the future. We don't. So let's trust the Lord for tomorrow. One of, the, one of my biggest issues, and God speaks to me through the word, one of my biggest issues is as, as I become the head pastor of this church is I oversee all the different finances. We have great support staff. Pastor Chris and Pastor John are awesome, and, and they work really hard. And we have uh, in the office, we have Teresa and Najma and Barbara, and they all have A's at the end of their name. I love that. They're great. They're hardworking. And all of them are, are, are doing all that they can. You know, they're, they're, they're engaged. And I'm, I sometimes get worried about next week. I told you about the lawsuit. The church is in a lawsuit. It's nothing new. It's, we've been in escrow. We were in escrow for three and a half years, sell that property. We have this big boat anchor property way out in Highland. It's worth a lot of money. Sold it, but it hasn't gone through. And so I have to trust the Lord today. I get emails from a lawyer. You ever get emails from a lawyer? Sometimes they're threatening. Sometimes they're, it's like, why would he say that? And I got to figure out why he said that. 
There's things like that that happen in, in all of our lives. And so instead of trusting the Lord for next week, guess what? I get worried. <laughs> I, I wake up at night. What, what do I do, Lord? I, I don't know what to do. The, this the lawyer. So I'm not trusting the Lord and walking by faith, right? I'm walking by what? I think we all do that. So you can pray for your pastor in that regard. <laughs> the Lord is teaching me as we go through this. He's definitely teaching me, and I, I'm so grateful for uh, his word. But God always honors those who walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, by the way, you can jot that down. Read Hebrews chapter 11. The great men and women of faith in the Bible, the, the hall of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11, a great place to, to look at people who trust the, trusted the Lord and walked by faith. But it's Abraham's sin here in this section we're in, verse 8 and on, that catches up to him. And it brings conflict into his home. And God tells Abraham something here. It's really interesting. God tells Abraham to listen to Sarah. This is really, really interesting. And the, the reason is, here's the reason. I, I believe in marriage, you become one flesh. That God works, you know, through each of us. And he, there's a unity in our marriage. And God is going to do something because Abraham is freaking out right now. Abraham has lost it again, and he's going to run to the Lord and pray. We're going to see some of his answers to prayer. God's going to come and answer his prayer. So Abraham is freaking out. He's emotionally tied to this, this boy, 18 years old, Ishmael. That's his son. He's invested. Maybe they've, they've gone fishing. Maybe he talked to them about God. He's, he's trained this, this young boy, Ishmael. And, and now he's, it's, it's, it's a shock to him, all the things that are happening right now. When Sarah says, you know, you, you've seen it. You've seen it, Abraham. Look at it outside. Look at how Ishmael trips him and plays with him and rubs his face in the mud. You know, look at how, look what he's doing. He's mocking him. I'm sure that came up. Notice what it says in verse 11. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. He was concerned for his son. Again, how difficult would this have been for Abraham? This would have been so, so hard for him. This is his son, Ishmael, and, and God is going to ask him to cut him off. So here's the instructions in verse 12. God instructs Abraham to listen to Sarah here. God said to Abraham, do not let it be ple uh, displeasing, verse 12. So Abraham has heard from her. Abraham has gone to the Lord. Now he's praying, and God is answering in verse 12. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. So Abraham's thinking, obviously, about Ishmael and about Hagar. He's concerned about them, and rightly so. Whatever God, listen to what God tells him. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, I've, this is what I've told you from the beginning. It's going to be your seed. It's going to come from your wife. You guys are the one that messed this up. He says, I called. And then verse 13, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he's your seed. So that's the promise. This is consolation in a sense for Abram because he's really broken about all this stuff. I like it. It says, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So Abraham, he asks the Lord in prayer. He's talking to the Lord. And God's solution is very clear. He says, you need to get rid of the son of your flesh. 
You've got to get rid of the son of your flesh. There's no reconciliation. There's no, I'm going to work it out within your household. You need to completely cut off and put away forever your son. That's why he's so upset here. Look at verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And she departed. And she's freaking out, Hagar, as you would. Notice, she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. She just starts wandering around. She's a broken woman. It's not even her fault. All this stuff wasn't her fault. She was picked up down in Egypt. The the whole situation for her, it's, it's very, very sad when you think about it. Abraham's and Sarah's sin has hurt this woman. Now, when I see the story, I'm, I'm, again, my sanctified imagination, I'm reading the story to you, I'm sharing it even now. I can just see weeping. There's weeping going on in Abraham. He's broken. He's crying because he does care for Hagar and he does care for Ishmael. And, and the prognosis here is that they're going to be sent away forever. And so he's got to do this. And so he takes this skin of water, like a canteen, a big canteen for them. It's interesting, it's only enough really for a short period of time. It's not a lot of water. It's not on the back of an ox cart. We know Abraham was a rich man. He had all kinds of people. They could have set these, this two, these two people up for life, but they don't. And I believe this is another important step in Abraham's walk of faith. He's learned now that he has to trust the Lord. And so he's telling his son, you have to trust God too. I'm going to give you one canteen. Hagar, no, I I know this is hard, but you've got to trust God. I had to learn the hard way. You're going to learn this way. I'm going to give you one skin of water. You're going to go out, and you have to learn this as well. I believe that Abraham really has that in sight, that he's learned that, that now I want you. He's, he's he's, He's finally becoming a spiritual leader in a sense by giving him just enough. So that as they get away from Abraham, now they have, they'll have to trust God uh, as well. As far as we know, this is the last time that Abraham will see Ishmael. And I'm sure this was just a real painful uh, part of his life. But it's, this is a real important part of his life, Abraham's life, because he's growing in his faith. He never could have done this years before. Think about it. Think about all the mistakes he's made. This is 25, 30 years later than his, uh, since his call from, to come from Ur of the Chaldees and come into Canaan. This, he's learning. He's growing. This is a good thing, as, as we'll see in his life. He's growing in obedience. He's growing in faith. But the one hard truth of the story, and I'll just make a real quick point of this, is Ishmael had to go. Ishmael represented the work of the flesh. God will never accept any work of the flesh. That's what this story teaches. Don't try to do it in your flesh. You've got to do it by faith. We try to do stuff with our own pride or by our own self-assertion. We, we do all kinds of things, and, and, and all of those things are done in the flesh, and they'll never be acceptable. Ishmael had to go from this family. He had to leave. He had to be gone. God made sure that because there was no reconciliation within the family. 
he had to leave and go complete, be completely cut off. God said he had to go. And isn't that true? When you come to Christ by faith, you've got to let stuff go. You can't bring it along with you. When you come to Jesus Christ, you have to turn. The, the scripture is, is uh, or the, the word is repent, or harmatia. It means to turn away. How much you turn away from is really depends on your life and your sins. But you have to turn away. That's what he's saying. You've got to let some things go. In Colossians 3, here's a verse here I'd like to read. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Paul is is saying, uh, as a Christian now, you, you need to be changed and different. He says, put off like old clothes. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds. And then he goes on and says, now put on this. Put on righteousness. Put on truth. Put on, put on uh, humble speech and encouraging words. That's what he says in Colossians there. When the believer brings into his Christian life, into her Christian life, some things from the past, God's going to start working. And we know it in the scriptures, it's called pruning. I don't know if this is almost a time to prune. I think it is a time to prune. Are you supposed to prune before spring? I think you are. You're supposed to prune things. The grapevine, you prune it so you get more growth. God does some radical things in our lives to cut off, to take out, to prune away. And it's not easy. This is what's happening in Abraham's life. His son is being cut off. He's being pruned out of his life because God has a plan to increase his faith and to use Abraham in a, in a huge way. It's, it's not an easy thing to be pruned, but that's what's happening here. Ishmael had to go. And God will do that. He'll cut away things in our life so that we can produce spiritual fruit. But it hurts, Pastor Lee. I don't know why God's got me in this place. I'm in pain. Because he's pruning. God's pruning. There'll be a time when, when he'll, he'll bring all of these things back into your life that, that are good, the good things. But he wants to take out the bad. That's what's happening in this, this text. Again, notice in verse 14, we see Hagar and Ishmael. They're, they're going in the desert. They've been given this, this bread and water. And my next point here in verse 15, God preserves Ishmael and Hagar. And the water in the skin, verse 15, was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And then she went and sat down across from him a distance of about a bow shot. Because she said to herself, I don't want to see him die. They're, they're out of water. They, remember, they're wandering, wandering in Beersheba. I, we don't know how long, but they're wandering. They're running out of water. There's no food. She thinks they're going to die, so she puts her son under a bush far enough away so she doesn't have to watch him suffer. And notice, I, I love this. She sat opposite him, and look what she does. She lifted up her voice, and she wept. She starts calling out to God. She's learned a little bit in that household. She's calling out, and God heard her voice, or pardon me, God heard the voice of the lad. She's crying out to God, but God doesn't recognize her voice. This is important. He recognizes the voice of the lad. Then the angel came to Hagar out of heaven and talked to her. He said, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand for I will make him a great nation. This is really interesting because God shows favor to 
Abram's offspring. That's the important thing. Remember, God promised that your seed, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless everything that comes out of you. I'm going to bless your descendants. The Jewish nation, that's where we're headed here. The Jewish nation come from Father Abraham. God's going to use the Jewish nation to bless all the nations of the world. Jesus was a Jew, and through the Jewish nation comes the Messiah, and the Messiah comes to bless the world. That's the the long-range goal, the long-range plan here. But God is preserving Ishmael and Hagar. God God is going to, he already made a promise to Abraham. He's going to keep his promise. He heard the voice of the lad. I think that's really telling there, and God had provided for her. God had already taken care of her. He says, he says you, you need to look up. He, he says, arise, lift up, so that God will show favor to Ishmael because he is a descendant uh, of Abraham here. That's, that's the point. Verse 19, then God opened her eyes, and she saw the well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. That's cool. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So she's familiar. She speaks the language. She's from there, and uh, she is now going to uh, arrange his life for him. But, but God had promised to make Ishmael a great nation. It's in Genesis 17, verse 20. Notice this verse. There it is. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes, and I will make a great nation of him. So remember, um, uh, Abraham, after they tried in this work, and God says, I don't receive this. I don't, oh, please, God, please, you got, you got, to, you got to accept him. He's my son. Oh, I'm going to make him a great nation. You blew it. You made the mistake. This is done in the flesh. Uh, I'm going to do that, but, but now we see that. Ishmael, who's gone away, he's been cut off, is now going to be the father of the Arabic nations. He's the father of the Arab people. Now, in these last verses here, they're really about this treaty, really interesting treaty. Notice in verse 22. And it came to pass at the time that Abimelech, remember that guy? And uh, Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, these pagan rulers, they knew something special about this guy, Abraham, because God was with him and prospered him. And wherever he went, even when he made a mistake, God had prospered him over and over again. So they all knew that God was protecting Abraham. So instead of calling Abraham, hey, come down to the, the palace. Abraham, come and submit to me as king. The king goes to Abraham. Abraham has a lot of influence, and everybody knows that he's God's favorite here, and they better listen to what Abraham says. So they, they come to wealthy Abraham, and notice verse 23, now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me. Why did Abimelech say that? Because he's already lied to him. He said, don't lie to me again. And he says, with my offspring or with my posterity, with my household, the people around me, my, my captain here, don't lie to us. But that according to the, the kindness that I have done to you, remember I gave you all this money when, when I gave your wife back, I gave you a bunch of money with her and, and sent you on your way and gave you all the land that you wanted. And Abraham said, okay, I'll swear, I'll make a treaty with you. So Abimelech doesn't want to fight with him. 
He wants to make a treaty with him. And then verse 25, Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well water which Abimelech's servant had seized. So obviously, Abraham dug a well, and then, and then uh, Abimelech's people used it, and Abraham's going to report that. He says, hey, wh- what's up with that? I dug this well, and you guys are stealing my water. And, and uh, Abimelech said, I, I don't know who has done this thing, but you, you didn't tell me, or I hadn't heard about it till today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. So they work out their issues, and the two of them make a covenant. They make this pact. They make this treaty together. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of the seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. So this is is mine. I'm buying this from you. This is my property. This is my well. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus, they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with his commander, Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and they called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of Palestine, or the Philistines, many days. So this is the important thing about this story and the lesson that Abraham has learned. When he first came to Gerar, he he was running out of fear. And then he lies to King Abimelech about Sarah being, that's my sister, and she's, oh, that's my brother. They, they lied and, and really put Abimelech and his whole household and kingdom in, in peril when they did that, when they lied. But now, at the end of this chapter, we've just seen this new treaty with Abimelech and, and Abraham here. And uh, the apology, and they work out all their different issues. Uh, very interesting the way, the way they make this treaty, this pact. But this, we're learning about Abraham and his journey of faith. God has protected him. God is preparing him. God is leading him to this place. We're going to get there next week, chapter 22. Really important. I'd encourage you to read it. Read chapter 22. It's real important. And you know the story, most of you already, but there'll be some really great application for us. But let me, let me just stop right here and ask the question. We're looking at Abraham's life of faith. How are you doing in your life of faith? Is there something in your life that God is pruning, cutting away? Some painful thing you've been praying about and it's just not going away. But maybe you just haven't given it to the Lord completely. Maybe you haven't surrendered it completely to God. I believe that God wants us to surrender all those things because if we're doing it in the flesh, it accounts for nothing. If we do it by faith and trust in the Lord, God will give us success. It's, it's, it's the walk of faith, the life of faith. That's what we're learning from this man, Abraham. Truth is, none of us expected the Christian life to have trials, did we? we many of us came to Christ, and hey, I think it's going to be great, perfect. I came to Jesus a few years ago, and my, my life's been hard. I'll tell you, there's nothing sweeter and more joyful than knowing your sins are forgiven. But there's also the truth that God is going to shape 
and prune and take away things from your life. And that hurts. And that's painful. That's what we've seen here in the life of Abraham, this process of pruning, building him up, making him the man of faith. Here's what the writer of the Hebrews says. I'll close with this scripture. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm sure you can say amen to that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. Lord, I, I just pray that, that this truth of this story of Abraham's life would be thought in terms of, of our life, that we would see the truth that you are working in our life just as you worked in Abram's life to accomplish that goal of a man of faith. There's women and men in this room, Lord, that, that I know are holding too tightly to things. I'm holding too tightly to things. God, help me to let go. Help me just to release those things to you. I just want to take just a moment of time here. Let's just turn the lights down again and, and just let's go before the Lord. Let's let the Lord show us what it may be that we're holding too tightly to, that we haven't given up a work of the flesh or manipulation in our life with our kids, with our job, with our money, our spouse. And let's give it up to the Lord. Just as, as the Eric begins to just play lightly, let's just take a moment and we'll take a, a minute or so and just pray silently before the Lord. I'll, I'll begin and then we'll just leave some silence. Father, I pray that you would come upon these people and reveal to them what it is they're holding tightly to. What it is that like Ishmael was a work of the flesh that you will never accept. Lord, I pray that you would show them. I admit mine, Lord, right now to you. So, Lord, we give these things to you. We surrender, Lord, to you. Have your will. Have your way. Make us men and women that walk by faith and not by sight.